Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll talk to Barry's Verluga about the very real possibility of the Caps and Wizards moving to Virginia. We'll go around the NFL with Jason Lockton Four, and we'll get picks from James Carville and Jeff Ma. A full show, but first, commerce. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. No, for second year in a row, no one close to the cage. I was 19 and 1 on Kornheiser last week. <laughs> he was Chuck Todd, no catch me. He was First 6 all, and 1. He, wrote. he has these triple plays, yes. the quadruple plays. No, he had one I double nine, play. Well, he's he's counting the Heisman Trophy winner that he took at 12 oh, well, to 1 that's, odds. That's t- oh, well, that's he's ridiculous. 12, <laughs> he's getting 12 points for that. Look no. at this. He's this no, that's <laughs> as the commissioner. No. Right. No. <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. We will get to all that later with Carville. You can't count the Heisman. You can't count the Heisman. Barry Zerluga is on with us now, and we're going to talk about Ted Leonsis threatening to and saying he will move the Washington Wizards and the Washington Capitals to Virginia in a second. I just wanted to say this to make everybody aware of this. Everybody knows that when I'm healthy, I train with Helen, the best trainer in the world. Now, Helen and Uriel are the best trainers I've ever had. Helen's hubby, Brian, has written a movie, Merry Magic Christmas. This Sunday night is its premiere on Lifetime. Mm. 8 o'clock, Merry Magic Christmas. And this Sunday night, that's the best night in all of television. Why do you think Sunday Night Football is the highest rated show week after week in all of television by a mile? Because Sunday night, people stay home. The Sunday before Christmas? Yeah, people stay home. So try to get to Lifetime or or tape it. You can tape it if you have a. Do they still tape TV or with well, streaming? You can't DVR tape it. DVR Whatever it. you do. Yeah. Merry Magic it's not Christmas. Like you're in the TV business. On Lifetime. All right. Barry joins us now. Here's the first question I have. Now, you and I, we totally agree on this whole deal, but we have prejudices. We live in Washington, D.C. We cannot, we cannot talk about this without saying we live in Washington, D.C. and want Washington, D.C. to keep these teams. I didn't know about this. Till about four days ago. I had no idea this was bubbling around. When did you learn this was possible? So I had heard bubbling, um, and, you know, probably uh, three or four months ago, but that's really all it was. And, and I'll be honest with you, Tony, in a very irresponsible journalistic way, I, I was dismissive of it as kind of a uh, you know, a leverage play by Ted. Oh, he has to show the city that he's having talks with somebody else because that will strengthen his position to get what he wants downtown, which is $600 million, and he'd throw in $200 million, and he'd improve the existing arena that Abe Poland put there in 1997, and really, it's not an exaggeration, transformed a section of the city 100%. that is important. That's just a few blocks off the National Mall that's right by... The National Portrait Gallery that, um, you know, on nights when the Wizards and Caps are there, um, is teeming with activity. Um, we obviously have Metro reporters who uh, and other sports reporters who, who work on this. They, um, when I came to them with a tip late last week that I was hearing this, there was a date for an announcement. They were already in position and had done some work, but we did not have... Um, People like to do this stuff in the dark. They don't, if for such a, an outlay 
and an impact of um, on the public, they they want these negotiations to be in private. So getting it confirmed was was difficult because even um, public officials kind of kind of clammed up. We did end up um, breaking it on yeah. Monday, but that was only a couple days before the announcement. Um, so it feels very very sudden, um, even though the talks uh, with with Monumental between um, Virginia and Mon- Monumental began in February. Is there any other reason to do this? Any other reason than money? No, um, there's really not. And you'll get a lot of lip service about, um, and Ted is very good, Ted Leonsis is very good at being like, well, I I don't envision this um, region as um, we should stop being so provincial and being like, I'm from Maryland and I'm from the district and I'm from Virginia and those are totally different things. He he has long described, um, you know, when he went, back a few years to try to get the Olympics to Washington, he he kind of pitched everything from Baltimore to Richmond as like one big super city, and that's how we should think of it. And that's really not how people here think of it. There are, there are loyalties and allegiances um, that run deep. But to, to your money point, Tony, um, this is a new model, and I point to the Braves uh, ballpark in Atlanta, and I say in Atlanta, it's really not in Atlanta. It's in Cobb County, 10 miles northwest of downtown. Um, it is completely soulless, but it is a moneymaker because the Braves were able to put their stadium um, in a place where they could develop around it. And that's hugely important to this project because Ted uh, and the commercial real estate um, developer that's working on this will be able to invent a mini city out of nothing and and profit off that which in a perfect world if you trust your sports owners that money would be put back into the competitiveness of, of the two teams that that will play there it's a, a at M- i'm sorry mci center that was the name a million years ago at capital one arena downtown the development around there which is has struggled since the pandemic um even when it was thriving Leonsis was not making the the profit off of that. So that's that's the model. I don't find it appealing, but I I get where the way I phrase this is I think that this deal could be bad for the district because they lose the two teams, bad for Alexandria because of traffic and people people don't want that stuff there, and really good for Monumental Sports and Ted Leonsis because they've got you know, potentially revenue generators that they haven't, couldn't dream of downtown. I called him a villain on the air. I said this was villainy, and I believe that. What would you call it? I think you're right there, Tony. I mean, it, you're, you're stealing um, teams, anchor teams, teams that um, provide you 85 dates that are crucial to a neighborhood that, as I said before, really didn't exist. Um, before the teams came there, and, and you're taking it to a place that, um, that where you will profit uh, from them. And, and who knows what will happen to that neighborhood, which is already teetering since the pandemic, when the two teams move out. Um, Monumental is saying, hey, we're going to have, uh, we're still going to have 100 dates there. Really? What's this? Uh, Georgetown going to be there? Or is Georgetown going to move too? They'll move the mystics there. They'll do the concerts. Um, and, and then, you know, it's just a shell game because if you move the mystics that you just opened um, an arena in, in Ward 8, the neediest ward in the, yeah. um, in the city, uh, you, you know, you're stripping that community engagement from, from there to a neighborhood that you just said was not good enough for the Wizards and the Capitals. So, that's just like, I don't think anything will be there, Okay. I think it will. Nothing will be there in a relatively short amount of time. This is worse than the learners to me, and I was very condemning of the learners for saying we're going to sell now because we're in the business of business of making money, and we're going to sell the team. And I thought that was terrible because I think it's a sacred trust to have a team. And this is to me far worse, far worse, because you just move in this team to a locale that's better for you and thinking you can get away with calling them the Washington this and the Washington that. I note that in watching the Wizards the other night and they stink and that's that goes to the owner too. That goes to the owner. 
Um, and he hasn't reduced ticket prices on this stinking team. Uh, their logo is the Washington Monument. You've seen that, right, Barry? It's the Washington Monument. What's the new I mean, logo going to be? On the day that this was announced, old people like you and me who get the print edition of the Washington Post yeah. picked up their, their post, and there was a wraparound ad uh, on uh, the front page covering half the front, front page for deals on Wizards tickets. The jerseys um, that the players... They say district? Or whoever... It said rep the district, yeah. and it had the, the diamond-shaped map of Washington, D.C. And for people who don't live here, like when you see the, just the outline of the district boundaries, like that means something to, to you here. That, means, that doesn't mean Alexandria. It doesn't mean Bethesda. It doesn't mean Prince George's County. No. It doesn't mean Arlington. It means the District of Columbia. And that sort of kind of trying to connect with the urbanness um, that that the city provides, not the suburbanness that, that you know, the, the burbs provide. Um, it was just embarrassing that on that day they were announcing that we're taking your team and, and, yeah. and moving it out of town. I wouldn't, um, if I were the learners now, I always say things, if I were this guy or I were that guy, if I was had the power in the world, I'd padlock that that building right now and make them play at George Mason University for the rest of the five years it'll take to build this thing. But if I were the learners right now, I wouldn't sell my baseball team to them because I wouldn't trust he'd keep it here. I wouldn't trust them. I wouldn't sell it to them. Do you have any feelings on that? Well, I mean, that's a, such a complicated thing because, um, you know, until five days ago, you would have said that the, the learners were... The, the least desirable owner in town. Yep. And, and because they said, um, you know, almost two years ago now or a year and a half ago that, hey, we intend to, we're exploring a sale of the team and have not yet sold it and have left it in complete limbo and, and you know, for, for in perpetuity right now um, because, you know, the way they do business is um, they value any property, in this case the baseball team, at X, and if you offer X minus one, they will not sell it to you. Um, so we're kind of stuck uh, in hold there. But meanwhile, and, they're not pouring money into it. They're not correct. doing anything with it, the team. Yeah, yeah. you could get into the weeds and be like, well, they're not. It's, it's probably they're a year away from, from being ready to go out and, mm-hmm. and make a major free agent signing. But you're right. It's going to be uh, another struggle of a season in the, in the win-loss column there. The thing, Tony, I, and I think we've talked about this before, and I wrote this probably, I don't know, a, a year ago. Um, Dan Snyder gave sports owners in this town total cover. cover total because cover. he was, whatever you did, he was the worst. worst. Yes, you're and right. And when he right. left, that cover is gone. And now, major questions about the stewardship of all these franchises are, um, you know, they're right there. They're right there in front of you. And, and, this move is a real question for Ted. I would also say, Tony, that um, these plans are plans. And this, even though they had been working on um, this deal for seven or eight months, we're a long way from the um, ground being broken, let alone the teams moving yeah, out. There. I, I will say I mean, this. Uh, this is important to note, I think. You can only be the governor of Virginia once, one four-year term. Uh, Maybe you can come back after four more years, but you cannot establish the kind of dynasty that you can in other states. Because So Glenn Youngkin's out. He's done. So if this doesn't happen right away, you know, it may not happen at all, right? I mean, there's there's a political movement in Virginia that's different in other sorts of states. I also think... And I don't think that the mayor, Mayor Muriel Bowser, has been very good on this issue. I really don't. I don't. I suspect that she never imagined it would come to this. But there will be a football team at that RFK site now, don't you think? That will happen. Well, the pressure is on her to make that happen because she yeah. has wanted her legacy to be, I'm the mayor that brought football back, and, right. and that is my defining moment. If she does not get the football team at the RFK site, then her legacy is... I lost the hockey and basketball teams, and I couldn't get the football team yeah. here. And now we have four major sports, only one of which plays in the District of Columbia. Like, 
I think the pressure, and I'm going to write this for over the weekend, is going up on the mayor. And that's not good. I agree. You you don't want, I mean, we can debate whether um, the the football team should return to that site. And we can't really debate it until we know what the funding uh, picture would look like. But you don't want the mayor to be compromised and to feel pressure that she has to do this because she lost the other two teams, because that could only worsen the the deal for the residents of the district of Columbia. It's bad. The whole thing is bad. And, and in my mind, utterly unexpected. I didn't think Ted Leonsis guy who was a Georgetown grad and correct me if I'm wrong, they haven't moved Georgetown to Tyson's corner yet. Have they? I think it's still in the district of Columbia (laughs) to just, you know, run out on the city like this. It really is bad. It's angering, yes? I I am. I mean, I, I was surprised at how emotional I got about it, um, talking about it in reporting and talking about it on the radio. And I, I don't mean, like, tears, but just, like, yeah. quite fired up. Like, like yeah. this is, you know, we've talked about this a million times, too, Tony. Like, owning a pro sports franchise is not like owning a mall it's like not. people are emotionally invested in your product in a way that they're not in emotionally invested in whether your mall is anchored by nordstrom's or lord and taylor or, or whatever you there's a civic element of this ted has ted leonsis has often talked about the civic responsibility uh of being a sports owner yeah well, um sort of he's trying to say that I'm doing. I'm going to be doing something great for the region. Um, the backside of that is he's potentially making a move that could devastate a really important part of downtown. He's putting in a stake in matters. downtown D.C. right in downtown the heart of downtown D.C. as he lines his pockets. Come on, correct. I mean that's his. And you know, fine. A lot of people say good for him. I'm not one of those people. Thanks, Barry. Appreciate it, Tony. Thanks very much. Barry Zuluga has written very, very well about this issue and everything, really. We'll take a break. Jason Lockenforo is up next, and, and we can talk to him. I don't know that we want to talk about that game last night. <laughs> that was brutal. That was brutal. I'm Tony Kornheiser. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Have I got a story for you. Now I was only five years old, excited and awake on the night before Christmas, my most favorite of all days. When low, I heard a noise downstairs, so I crept out to catch a glimpse. And there I found my mother dear with Santa <gasps> locking lips. <laughs> <laughs> It's me. Oh, I think my dad is Santa Claus. Such a great suit. Oh, 
Wonderful. Tim Wildsmith, Nashville, Tennessee, writes, One of my highlights of the holiday season last year was listening to you, Michael and Nigel, laugh along with the song. I thought I'd send it in again. <clears throat> Still maybe a little too soon to play this one for Bootsy and the Hammer, but one day I hope they can enjoy it too. It's available on all major streaming platforms. I mean a lot if they added it to their favorite playlist. That's very nice for Tim. And he plays in Jason Lock and Fora, and we're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lock and Fora, host of the podcast In the Huddle, which covers the entire NFL. I don't really want to talk about last night because that, that was brutal beyond words. Yeah. Um, everybody knows that the coach at San Diego or yeah. whatever they call that team is going to be fired anyway because they underperformed. They've underperformed all year, and yes. they have no chance on the quarterback. So l- let, me, let me get to another loss that I think is actually important in the greater scheme of things. The Miami loss over mm-hmm. the weekend. What did that say to you? Um, it, it certainly raises some questions. Uh, the the everything that went into them finding a way to lose that game. I think if you're if if you're inclined to believe that they are, um, maybe that their highs are a little too high and and are a little too sporadic. In other words, they 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 can hit some notes, but they can't sustain them. And when they do hit those notes. They're usually playing against teams that are so far inferior to them that it it's just sort of the perfect storm, and that when things get a little rough and when um, they're not uh, that fully tuned up Ferrari and there's a sprocket out of place here or there's a lug nut that's too loose there, the whole thing can 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 fall apart to a degree that um, frankly it shouldn't for teams that that yeah. Are really good in this league, so it raised concerns. Just their energy level, um, their direction as an offense, every the way everything just sort of torpedoed when Tyreek Hill left the field. I mean, that's a Titans team that had been a a, a speed bump for everybody on the road. I mean, they they just they've been one of the worst road teams in the NFL, and for them to be able to come back repeatedly and come back with help from the offense and the defense. Like, that was one of those collapses where you don't even really know who to blame most. Like, Vic Fangio, Mike McDonald, what side, um, uh, McDaniel, what side of the ball, you know, which individuals. It was so pervasive and collective that I almost think that it does maybe speak to their psyche a little bit and then maybe being a little bit fragile. Um, yeah, I have concerns about it. And look, the Jets have been a tough out for them forever. And we can go to that Black Friday game, and you can look at the score and say, "Oh, well, geez, the, the, the Dolphins, you know, killed them." Well, I mean, Tim Boyle threw the ridiculous pick six. There was a touchdown for Mostert at the end, where I don't really know what was going on there. Um, but that's a tough. That was a tough game for the most part. And Tua's numbers against the Jets in his career are dreadful. And you can look at Herbert and Hertz and and Tua the first time and Josh Allen. You know, the Jets have faced five elite quarterbacks. They've combined for four touchdowns and ten interceptions against them. I think the Jets will be ready to play this game. I'm not buying Zach Wilson okay. at all. But, yes, I think the Dolphins are vulnerable, and I believe that the Buffalo Bills are very live for me to win that division. Uh, this is interesting. <clears throat> it's one of the questions I wrote down. Is there still time for Kansas City and Buffalo? Uh, last week, you picked Dallas to win over Philadelphia, and they killed them. You picked Buffalo to win Mm -hmm. over Kansas City, and they escaped with a win. But you were right on both of those games. If I mention Kansas City and Jacksonville and Buffalo now, three AFC teams, and the Jacksonville game is against Baltimore, of course, in Jacksonville. Yeah. Which of those teams do you like the most? Um, Maybe Buffalo. Um, Yeah. I think Buffalo beats Dallas this weekend. If there's weather, great, even if it's not a, a, a true weather game. Right. I still like Buffalo in this spot. Dallas's efficiencies drop way off on the road. Dallas, um, I, 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 I think Buffalo will be able to move the ball on Dallas in a couple of different ways. Um, I think the Buffalo Bills are, are ready for this game, and I think the Buffalo Bills can see a path to redemption despite everything that happened before their bye. I just don't buy the Cowboys in 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 these spots. Um, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but right. I think they've kind of run their NFC gauntlet, and this is not them in Western, you know, in, in Western New York. 
in in you know mid to late December. I just don't think that's their jam. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville is going to have a hard time with the with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they played a twenty eight twenty seven game down there a year ago. I, I certainly think the Ravens will do their part and score at least twenty seven thirty points in this game. I'm not sure if if the Jags will. I mean, the way to beat the Ravens is to run. Um, be able, you know, there, there's you can run efficiently and effectively on them. I just don't know that Jacksonville can do it on anybody with the state of their offensive line. Um, you know, and look, I think Kansas City, all that whining, crying, pouting, um, you know, all that stuff that's out of character for them, I, I think speaks to larger issues. I don't think it's about Kadarius Tony and that particular decision and the officials and everything that went into it. I think it speaks more to their own realization that we're not what we once were. Um, we we more than ever need every creature comfort. We need everything to go our way. We need to get the calls. We need to be at home. You know, we need to catch the breaks. And none of those things are happening. And they're going to have to go on the road in the postseason for the first time. And I don't I don't think they feel very good about that. Um, I agree. So I, I I think that's a team that is probably due for a one-and-done in the postseason. And, look, maybe they win a game. But Kansas City having to go, this Kansas City team, having to go on the road and win multiple uh, road playoff games in a very tough AFC, I I don't fancy their chances. And I don't think they fancy their chances. It's interesting. I mean, I know that I'm basing all of these questions around losses because this year the losses are more prevalent and more determining than the wins, with the exception of San Francisco, I guess. But San Francisco lost three in a row. So then, so I wrote a question down. What do the two straight Philadelphia losses tell you? And they got beat bad. They yeah, got beat I mean, bad. look, it, 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 they have warts. They're not a complete football team. They're not as good, really, by, by most metrics as they were a year ago. They were really good at, at the most important metric, which is finding ways to win football games. That was a gauntlet that they had to run. Um, and this, look, going to Seattle late in the season is by no means easy. But uh, I, I just don't think this is the caliber of opponent that they've had to face recently. No, certainly not. And and um, I don't know what the Eagles' pass defense will look like. You know, uh, we're not probably going to see it really tested again here until the postseason. And and what will that look like? What will they figure out, if anything? Um, you know, I, I'm not the biggest guy in the world on their defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I was a little surprised by some of the moves they made staff-wise. And they lost both their coordinators, and that's a big deal. Um, and that's difficult to, to adjust to on the fly. But we're late enough in the year now where nobody wants to hear about that anymore. Uh, I, I, I do believe that they will become um, a more productive offense here now that they're not facing some of those calibers of defense. And Seattle's been the path of least resistance for a while here. Uh, I think this is a, a bounce-back spot for them. I think they win this football game. I'm not sure it's super sexy. I'm not sure it's, um, you know, they're going to look like the, the, the greatest show on field turf out there. But I think they will get – they showed you, I think, some things in the early in that Dallas game with some of the commitment to the run and including option runs and design runs for the quarterback. And I, I think you're going to see a little bit more of that in this game. And I think they're going to let teams know that, hey, you might have to defend us a little differently in the postseason than if you had played us in October or November. Can I ask you – I was – you know, I did a double take – that the NFL is going to play a game in Brazil? Oh, sure. I mean, what is is American football popular on any level in Brazil, or do they think that they can get 65000 to fill yeah. a stadium anywhere right. in the world, right? Yeah, I think, you know, and look, they've done a lot of studies on this forever, and, and you do hit a saturation point in North America. So, you know, what is the great beyond, and more to the point, how much money will they spend? Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a huge population center, um, you know, you, you, you look at any, um, look at concerts, you know what I mean? And some of the biggest grossing concerts of all time, some of the highest attended concerts of all time, they're in soccer stadiums in Brazil. Um, you know, it's, look, it's, it's, it's lust for money and profits and, 
it is what it is. I mean, what it means for the teams and who were the first sort of, um, you know, who sent over there first to kind of figure it all out and have to deal with it and all that. Like, who cares? It could only be two of, you know, 32. The other 30 can sit back and watch. Uh, they're going to go everywhere. Um, I, I Look, there's, there's no doubt in my mind uh, that there's going to be more and more games in, in Germany. We've already seen a point where I think we're going to get eight games a year in London. That's going to happen. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think mm. I like I, I think even like China, man. If people, if other people are playing footsie with China, these billionaires aren't gonna not do it for some altruistic reason. It'd be or, so great if know, that happened, and I could say to Wilbon, what? "Stop huh? telling me that... about the NBA in China. <laughs> Shut up with the NBA. The, the, yeah. the NFL just drew three million people. You know that would be interesting to me." Anyway, yeah, all but right. they're, 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 they will continue to go um, to all quarters of the globe if, if they think it, they can you know, grow their brand and make some money there. All right. Plug your radio show for us. Uh, you can listen to me 2 to 6 on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore or tune in anywhere on the Odyssey app and listen to us in podcast form. You can check me out in the Washington Post. Um, on weekends, on well, anytime they're playing NFL football, on CBS Sportsline. Um, yeah, that's mostly it. And the In the Huddle podcast also. I'm mean, gonna uh, no, I got the outro on Odyssey. that. I got that. I, I, One I, small yeah, question. Step it on your toes. One small question. <laughs> sure. Do you think Antonio Pierce can can keep that job with the Raiders? I do. I, I I thought he could at the time he got hired. Talked to a lot of people about it. Wrote about it at the Washington Post. Yeah. Yes, and if you listen to what Mark Davis had to say in The Athletic this week, it's clear he has no clue no, still, he, he and has no cogent plan for how this is going to go, and he's basically like, pray for me, I think I might get it right this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it would not shock okay. me. Right. if I'm not sure he's going to keep the coach and the GM, but it would not shock me mm-hmm. if uh, Antonio Pierce remained their head coach. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow in the huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe where you get your podcasts. Uh, we will come back with Carvel and Ma. We think, we hope, we never really know. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, you wake up in the morning, boy, you hear the ding-dong ring. Then you look upon the table, boy, you see the same darn thing. This is Paul Evans with Midnight Special. James Carville being the only person we've ever had to select his own (laughs) walk-up music. Most people know the Johnny Rivers version, but this is the original version. You were you had a great week. You were six and one. Do you want to do the read? Oh, here's the read. Yeah, this week's picks with James Carvel and Jeff Ma brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Six and one, fifty-five, forty-five and one, making money. But you you can't put in the Heisman winner. That's a separate bet, isn't it? No. What? At the beginning of the year, I said this guy's 12 to 1. Right. You know what you do when you bet $100 at 12 to 1? You get 1200 back. Right. That's just Chuck Todd whiny crap. <laughs> you can't count that without over-unders, without points, without anything. I, I, I never heard of a casino that didn't count a 12 to 1 bet. All right. So then you would be 67, 45, and 1. But let me just Correct. ask this. I, I just think one of the bets yesterday was uh, last week. I think we hit a double. You had you had a double play last week that came in. You did. The only bet you lost last week was that sort of exotic I, I, halftime I, I, wager. That's oh, all. Okay. That's right. The Ravens I'm first saying, half. I, 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 but I, I'm going to recalculate, but I think I'm going to lead it at 6-1 now, but I'm going to take it up to the appellate court. And we'll oh, that's fine. But let, let me ask you. <laughs> this is the only other question I have. Wait, wait a minute. I can't give you a stay, you know, but we'll, 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 yeah. If you, if, 
if Devontae, uh, not Devontae, if Jaden Daniels had not won that Heisman Trophy, would you have been minus one? You wouldn't have been minus 12. You would have been minus one, right? Minus one, of course. Okay, all right. I just want to know. You go to the racetrack, you see, and the horse is 12 to one. You bet $2. That's right. If the horse loses, she lost you $2. If That's the right. horse wins, she went 26. 26. Why? 12, no, 24 plus the two bet. Yeah, okay. I, man, I'm a, I'm a low. If I, you live another five years, I might get the first grade math. <laughs> All right, this week's bets. Go ahead. What do you got? What, what I got? I got about. Um, well, I lost him. You got right. Georgia right. Southern. I got Georgia Southern. Uh, right, I'll, I'll read it. Minus them. three. I got him. Minus three. I don't, Versus Ohio. This is in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. You are the only person betting on this <laughs> in the world. You know that. Look, if you want to critique my betting, that's one thing. But what, when I'm 68 and 53, maybe people ought to listen, you know, <laughs> to what I'm saying. And okay. not get right. gallery coming in here. Georgia Southern minus three over Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. What else? We got WKU ODU. To you, that means Western Kentucky, Old Dominion. We got Old Dominion minus two. Do you want to tell people where that game is? It's the famous Toastery Bowl. <laughs> ODU, I didn't even know they had a football team. I knew they had a basketball team. I didn't know they had a football team. You got Old Dominion uh, minus two. Uh, oh, Old Dominion minus two. Didn't what else? A, uh, I wrote it all out neatly here. But lost that. So uh, we're going to go with uh, uh, New Mexico State, Fresno State. Yes. I, I've been to New Mexico State like three times since the men used to have a thing that bring me out there that actually paid it pretty good. And I'm always full from it and never worth it out. But this year they're good. Look, yeah. What's the line on that? You're going to take New Mexico State over – you're going to go minus three and a half over Fresno State in the I, New Mexico I Bowl. Minus two. I don't know where y'all get that. Minus line. two? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Minus two. My line with it on this show. <laughs> and then the Steelers <laughs> – I got to fight Chuck Todd, Jack Maude, the pencil, the computer. The, damn, okay. Let's go to the NFL. Go ahead. Steelers and Colts. I got the Steelers uh, plus 1.5. Plus one and a half against Indianapolis, even though the Steelers are a second-string quarterback. Mitch Trubisky, you're okay with that? Right, plus 3.5 against the Bengals. Yes. You do, you're off the, you would never have done this if Joe Burrow were playing. I know that. But you've I got Minnesota plus three and a half against Cincinnati. Okay, LSU has two out of the last five Heisman Trophy winners in both the quarterbacks. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. That was the first, Those are the first ones they've had since Billy Cannon, before Billy Cannon was making plates to make money illegally a long time ago, as we both know. What else? You know, he had a great life, though. Uh, <laughs> again, Browns and Lions. You got Cleveland? No, okay. You got the Broncos in line, not the Browns. Broncos. The Broncos in line. Take the Lions minus four and a half. Okay. John Payton is coach of the year, but he's laying any deal. Okay. And what else? Two times. Now, this means one, two. So if I lose, I go down two. Okay. If I win, I go up two. Right. 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 So this, is wa- this is Washington and the Rams, right? Take over 50. Over 50, even though Washington doesn't score. Okay. You like that bet. Okay. Tell that little Chuck Todd, don't know this whiny little self-adjustment. <laughs> Miami can't hire a coach. It's not my fault. They always keep into Heisman Trophy. That's fantastic. Thank you, James. Best to everybody right. at home. You bet. You James bet. Carville. Vintage. You have no idea how many words we had to bleep out of that. Not even sure what made you it. You know, we just, we have, it just so many words had to go in that. So many. You sit there and, and, you know he's cursing, and so you write down the time, and you go back, and you listen to it. Some fabulous attacks on, on Chuck Todd. Absolutely fabulous. I think Chuck will laugh at that. Oh, yeah. I think that's wonderful. We are attempting to get Jeff Ma at the moment. Jeff sends us something every week about things he might like to talk about. And this week, just as a preview, he said um, to talk about how they do bowl lines uh, when people sit out. For example, Caleb Williams is not going to play with USC, right? Whatever bowl USC is in, Caleb Williams isn't playing. There was a kid, the second-string quarterback at Texas, and this, this has an effect. The second-string quarterback at Texas went into the transfer portal, so he's not available for Texas. Texas is in the playoffs. 
This means that Arch Manning, Archie Manning's grandson, Cooper Manning's son, moves up to the second quarterback. I was saying, Jeff, that you talked about how this affects the line. How did all the sit-outs, how does that affect the line? I mean, I think Drake May, right, from North Carolina, if they're in a bowl, he's not going to play. How does it work? Yeah, I mean, the bowls traditionally have been hard to handicap or part of the handicap for the bowls has been about uh, the motivation, you know, predicting motivation. Some teams don't care. So if you look at, like, Georgia and Florida State, um, you know, figuring out who really cares in that bowl game is, is part of the handicap. But it's become increasingly more difficult with all of the opt-outs that are happening in these bowl games. And, and honestly, I'm not sure how much longer bowls are going to be a thing because if you go down these games, you know, starting Saturday, even these, you know, Power 5 or, sorry, non-Power 5 teams because of the amount of players that they have that are entering the portal and because of the amount of transferring that's happening, these teams are just, you know, even these like non power five teams are losing a lot of their important players. And so understanding who's going to play it. And we actually talked about this with Bud Elliott on Bet the Process this week. We go through every bowl game and talk about who's in and who's out. Like uh, a, a, a good game on Saturday is UCLA Boise State. But Boise State's going to be down to their third-string quarterback. Uh, UCLA may be also on their third-string quarterback, depending on whether Garbers, is, uh, their starter, can play or not, because their backup has, is in the portal already, and one of Boise's quarterbacks is hurt and the other one's in the portal. So this, is, this has become an increasingly uh, difficult thing in terms of understanding how to handicap the bowl games. Would you basically stay away from them? I mean, that's the question, right, ultimately. Yeah. You know, we talk about this again because, you know, his numbers and his model don't take into account a lot of these player moves. And obviously when you have quarterbacks and, and it's, you know, you can quantify that a little bit, but when you start getting into four or five offensive linemen and defensive linemen, it, it's very, very hard. So, you know, again, like I, I think you have to try to, when you, when you bet and, and you really are trying to win, you've got to, figure out where you can find inefficiencies and where you think you can be better than a market. And a market is probably going to be better at predicting the impact of a bunch of these opt-outs. Um, hard for an individual or an individual model to do this. So, yeah, I think from a perspective of the pregame line, meaning like before the game starts and trying to figure all this out, it, it, it's, it's probably very difficult. That's what I think. Carville just picked ODU minus two over Western Kentucky. I told him I didn't know ODU had a football team. I thought they only had a basketball team in the famous Toastery Bowl. If you went through all of these on Bet the Process, it had to be a seven-hour podcast, right? That'd be the longest podcast it of was, your life. It was. It was two. It was two. Two. Uh, two episodes where they were both over an hour huh. long. Wow. I mean, have you have you looked at some of the names of these bowls, Tony? And did, have you seen that there's a there's a Pop Tart Bowl where the winning coach gets to eat the Pop Tart mascot? <laughs> no, I was not aware of that. I'm certainly not aware of that. There are too many bowls. Every team that's at 500 and some teams that are under qualify for bowls. But I'm not against the bowls because it gives us a week off. Because ESPN owns all these bad bowls. They own them all. So I'm good with that. You had a great week last week, 5-0. and oh, Coming out of a 4-1. and one. You're 9-1 and one in the last two weeks. You're 39-34-1. And, and you're a rocket ship at the moment. What do you have for us for this week? Okay, I'm going to start with the Vikings plus the three over Cincinnati. Um, obviously, Cincinnati's been impressive since Jake Browning has yes. gone in there. Um, but Minnesota's defense has been incredibly impressive. Um, and they have an ability to really generate these sort of negative plays. And I think they will generate some of those against Browning. And I think they'll, they'll win this game outright. Okay, so okay, then I'm not going to worry about it. But Carville and Chuck Todd got three and a half on that. Oh, well, then I'll take three and a half also. I will give it to you. Go ahead. What else? I'm going to take Denver plus the four and a half over Detroit. I think this is a spot where people are expecting Detroit to, to you know, get good or get get healthy or yes. get, you know, be back to normal. They're at home. Um, they score a lot of points at home. Um, but I think this Denver thing is, is real, and I think the Detroit thing struggling is real. So I think getting four and a half points with a Denver team that's, you know, exceeding expectations um, is, is good is a good value here. Carville, of course, went the other way, and it was four and a half. Chuck Todd went the other way, and it was five with Chuck Todd. 
I think I agree with you because I'm looking at Detroit and their last four games, they lost three and needed a miracle to win the fourth. They look like there's something wrong there. So we'll see. What else? I'm going to take Chicago plus three over oh. Cleveland. Oh. Um, I mean, if you look at what Chicago's done, their oh. defense is playing incredibly well. And I think that Cleveland will have trouble scoring against them. Um, I think the Justin Fields thing is real, meaning, you know, they're, they, they, don't, they have incentive to win and figure out, like, how good he's going to be to figure out whether what they need to do with that number one draft pick. So um, I, I've been impressed with what, how they've played. And, and sometimes you look at these things and you think there might be a mirage, but I actually think it's, it's pretty real because their defense is playing really well. Okay. That just, Wilbon will be so happy and just makes me nuts when that happens. <laughs> I'm going to take Houston plus the three over Tennessee. Obviously, we all witnessed that Tennessee sort of miracle um, on Monday night, and it was impressive what um, Will Levis did. But um, I, do, I do think just Houston is a much better team here that obviously is, is still in the hunt. Um, and, uh, you know, getting three, is, I, I think Tennessee loses that game by, you know, 14, which it looked like they were going to. This line's probably closer to pick them, so like Houston at plus the three. Without C.J. Stroud? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're a team that can, you know, they have, they have talent around him, so I think, I think they will be okay. Okay, what else? And then I'm going to take Buffalo minus the two um, over, um, over Dallas. I mean, obviously we, we saw what Dallas did, um, but this is a spot where, you know, Dallas has been performing at a high level a, a bunch of weeks in a row. When you get into a situation here where I think, um, you know, like Buffalo needs this game, they're at home, it's less than a field goal. Uh, I just think there's a spot where Buffalo shows. Jason Lockenfora felt the same way. He Lockenfora was really good. He had... Um... Philadelphia losing last week and Buffalo winning last week, which was, you know, a lot of people had one of the two, but not necessarily both. Yeah. And he likes, he likes Buffalo here, you know, it, you know, and I, I think some of that may be weather, right? Don't you think going up to Buffalo for Dallas and coming off a really big win, a certain emotional letdown? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's just, again, like the NFL, you're never as good as you looked the week before. Right. Or as bad. And when you look for opportunities to find value, you know, Dallas is, they, they look to be a very good team. But getting over that hump and beating Philly the way they won, now coming into a Buffalo game on the road, you know, like, again, I'll take the home team um, that if you had made this line before the season started, Buffalo would be certainly more than a field goal favorite. So, have we really learned that much this season that would make us think that this is in this spot, Buffalo should be under a field goal. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk next week. Okay. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, nine and one in the last two weeks, five and oh, last week, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser show. Joe's. That's Joe and Molly Chambers. Thank you very much. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Always love the banjo. Uh, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say pretty woman walking down the street. Pretty woman, the kind I'd like to meet. Pretty woman, I don't believe you. You're not the truth. No one could look as good as you. Mercy. <laughs> That's Roy Orbison, um, who I once read that Roy Orbison, and he used to hang around with the Everly Brothers, and they played a lot of shows together in the 50s and 60s. And they used to refer to him as Ubi Doobie. Ubi Doobie. That was his nickname, Ubi Doobie, for Roy Orbison. The, the, um, Pretty Woman is, I, I'm not going to say that it's one of the best 10 songs of all time, but there is no question that it is one of the 10 most known oh, and appreciated and yes. recognized songs of all time. Yeah. Roy Orbison, who only went out on stage in Dark Glasses, 
all the time, and it had a great voice. Oh, yes. Just an unbelievably great voice, Roy yeah. Orbison. Pretty Woman got a second life because of the movie That's with right. Richard Gere and Julie, what's her name? Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. It's not, it's not as good as movie as people say. It's no, not. it doesn't it's hold okay. up. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. It, but it's not the, you know, no, classic. It's an okay movie. Yeah. But it's a great, great song. It is. Let me thank a couple of people. Jolene Wojcik um, not only sent a beautiful card to us, but she sent a bunch of things from nuts.com. Yes. She sent the pecans or the pecans or the pecans, whatever you want to do with it. Beckons. Yeah. And then she sent the milk chocolate gummy bears that are out of this world <laughs> and michael has a bag to take home. jolene dad was in a sour mood today until he saw that package yeah, get great. open turned it around just great and i got a lovely gift from a woman named amanda siegelson in old lime connecticut are they still doing the rock work and in old lime yeah 95 yeah and <laughs> a little bit of construction so yeah. She it shuts it down. three boxes, well, three tubes of Crest toothpaste. And it is the original tartar control. And when I say it's the original tartar control. It just control, says original flavor. Yeah, original flavor. What do, when do we think these brush are from? Brush a brush a brush When do we think that these are from? Well, the 90s. there's some, there's oh, some debate. Well, there is something on the back that says 1988. So, 1988. But so, I don't know if that's the founding of... Some company that made one. We of the went to the Google machine and, and looked up old Crest logos, and this looks this like looks it's in old. 1988 to mid 90s. Yeah. <coughs> no, I don't know that. Crest, I don't know that toothpaste ever goes bad. I just don't know. It hasn't that. been opened. You yeah. Know. There's no expiration but date. Where on did it. you get this? What sort of store, Amanda? Did you get this in? Some people plan ahead. And Amanda <laughs> writes. So I decided that sending toothpaste was fine, but didn't come close to expressing my love, devotion, and appreciation of the entire Mr. Tony experience. Since my talents are more graphite-based, I've tried to produce something you'll find does you justice. Back in 2006, I sent another devotional offering, a drawing of Mick Jagger. Just know that you are both rock stars to me. Keep potting um, and PTIing. The world needs your voice. And she sent a beautiful drawing that I've asked Michael to put in a frame and put in his house in, in a very important position so that the children know who I am exactly. and was. Who Pop -pop was. Well, yes. they get to see you once a week on TV when you make it downtown. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's angry at me because I'm angry at you. I think you, should, I think you should bring this picture and put it in your office, yeah. your new old office. Yes. I, went, I did actually go to my office. Oh, you went to the office, yeah. yeah. I saw it, and I said hi to everybody, and it was nice. Uh, from Mo in Mount Airy. Hey, how are you? Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Love the show. See the Wizards lost to the Pelicans, dropping the record to 3-20. and 20. My question is, what do you think will be the three keys to the team's impending six-game winning streak <laughs> as to get to 9-20? and 20? They're not getting to 9-20. and 20. Nope. They stink. From Ashton Wingate, Chuck and Roxy, episode 209 in Brooklyn, New York. Much like you, I was blindsided by the news that Ted Leonsis has decided to move the Wizards and Caps to Virginia. Does this mean that the pants will be relocating too? <laughs> probably. Drew Allen. Fly the flag. Um, <laughs> Drew Allen, Drew in Virginia. Does this mean the Caps won't be playing Stonehenge tonight? <laughs> From Shad, Virginia Wizards and Virginia Capitals followed the money. Yeah, he went for the money. Everything he said over all those years may not have been a lie at that time, but it turns out to be a lie now. Yep. It's just lies. He went for the money. And by the way, you know, Wilbon would say good. Wilbon believes everybody should take the live more money. Wilbon just says take the money. So not everybody believes what I believe. Uh, Ross Bridges, worst song, Sunglasses at Night. I don't even know that song. Oh, Corey you Hart. wear your sunglasses at night? I don't know it at sun. all. Oh, Corey Hart, I believe that Ross is. Bridges in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, it's Sunglasses dreadful. at Night. Oh, uh, it's stuck in my head. Doug Green, Dr. Doug <laughs> Green from Endicott, New York. Wow. About a nine iron from Vestal, home to the university where we both got a doctorate. Wow. He's not, that, he's not the original DG, but he's from Endicott, New York. I think he will enjoy Dave Barry's book of bad songs. I didn't know Dave had a book out. When Dave wrote a column about bad songs in 1997, he was inundated with replies, making it his most read column. This makes his list quasi-scientific and perhaps more valid than your approach, no offense. You have yet to mention the winner or the loser of Dave's poll, because I didn't know we should call Dave. I didn't know about you this. should. Love it Dave. was MacArthur Park. I loved MacArthur Park. <laughs> 
Written by Grammy Award winner Jimmy Webb and sung by Richard Harris, also a Grammy winner and two-time Academy Award nominee. A point Dave makes is that in order to be widely considered bad, a song also has to be popular. MacArthur Park reached number two on Billboard in 1968. One can argue that the lyric, Someone Left a Cake Out in the Rain, was all it needed to achieve infamy. It's like a seven-minute song. It's very long. Disc jockeys used to love to play it so they could go to the bathroom and have something to eat, (laughs) and the song would still be playing. Everybody knows this about disc jockeys in the 60s and 70s. They loved MacArthur Park. They pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. That I thought it was a great song. Matthew, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. While it might not be the worst song of all time, it's obvious that the worst Christmas song of all time is The Christmas Shoes, which was later turned into a made-for-TV movie starring Rob Lowe. Yes, that Rob Lowe. I bought the movie for my dad as a gag gift one year. It proceeded to sit in our Christmas movie collection in its cellophane wrapper for at least seven years before it mysteriously disappeared into a yard sale or landfill. From Ed Waldman in Fulton, Maryland. I didn't think I could add anything to the worst song conversation, but the nine-hour drive to Augusta, Georgia from Maryland to meet our new grandchild, a masculine child, proved me wrong. How about Convoy? Yeah, that stinks. Ooh, C.W. By McCall. McCall. Or how about Coconut? By Harry Nilsson. I thought, sort of found that charming. Not coconut. familiar with Coconut. And a hearty lachiserie to my old friend Gary Robinson, who had a letter read last week or so. Does that count as a David Aldrich moment? From Jeff Lowe in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Not my first time writing, but a long time. I'm one pod behind, so apologies if this has been raised at the end of Wednesday's pod. And that would be last Wednesday's, I assume. I don't know. At the end of Monday's pod, Tony Redden recognized the lyrics to I Wasn't Born to Follow. Okay, so that was this week. Um, I thought, hey, I know that song. What Tony did not mention and may be surprised to know is it was written by none other than Jerry Goffin and Carole King. I did not know that. How about that? The Birds also recorded another one of our little-known songs, Going Back. I remember Going Back. Although she was a great performer in her own right, the list of her songs performed by others is a mile long. Back in 2011, friend of the pod, Ronnie Newmeyer, produced a tribute show to the Birds at the Rams Head in Annapolis, where these lesser-known tunes were no doubt played. It was an amazing show. And wasn't, Thank you for that, Jeff. I Wasn't Born to Follow was, um, was in Easy Rider, was it not? I believe it was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Steve McKenna, loyal little Milwaukee... Wisconsin, I wanted to uh, let you know that Fonzie misses Chatter. After hearing his name referenced by Chuck Todd, he thought he'd P.S. sit on it, Saliza. And, oh, look at that. It's, it's a statue of Henry Winkler with a Chatter shirt on it. How about that? I wonder where that is. It's got to be in, in Milwaukee, I would think. I guess, or Chicago. It looks like the canals in Chicago that, oh, yeah. that I saw. Oh, that's, I'm sure it was just on one day. I think, yeah. yeah, I think the no. photographer put it there. Yeah, yeah. if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always do wear white. Now, if there's anything I can do for well, I you. certainly hope you'll die soon. But I certainly hope you'll die soon. <laughs> yeah. Have I got a story for you. Now, I was only five years old, excited and Awake on the night before Christmas, my most favorite of all days. When low, I heard a noise downstairs, so I crept out to catch a glimpse. And there I found my mother dear with Santa <gasps> locking lips. It's me. Oh, I think my dad is Santa Claus. So back to bed they made me go, but I couldn't catch a wink with the thought of Rudolph and his friends upon my roof I just had to see so up the chimney I went and there before my eyes the reindeer and that glorious sleigh and Santa I mean dad about to fly ho 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 he said to 
Oh, I think my dad is Santa Claus. We flew around the world to all the good boys and girls. Left gifts under their trees, and we ate lots of milk and cookies. The next morning, I owe. The fright had it all just been a dream. But when I got downstairs, my dad was waiting with a grin and a wink. Ho ho ho! He said to me, "My secret's out now. Can you keep it, please?" No. Dad is Santa Claus.